Hello and welcome to the Teach Strong podcast. My name's Sam Hart. I'm a primary school teacher on a mission to help school staff discover truly effective approaches to wellbeing. This show is a platform for me to bring you the knowledge and experience of real experts who can break down the research and the tools that we can apply to our everyday lives to feel happier and healthier. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Leila Dehan. Leila is a medical doctor turned sports nutritionist and personal trainer. She's passionate about helping people live active lifestyles and fueling with the right foods to live a happy, healthy life. This episode is all about protein, an area of nutrition that gets a lot of focus and seems to be a macronutrient around which there is a lot of confusion. So I asked Layla to help us understand what is protein, what role does it play in our health and and in an active lifestyle, how much protein do we need, where can we get protein from, and what are her thoughts on low-carb, high-protein diets, these diets that we see so much of on social media. This is a really interesting episode that I hope gives you lots of practical takeaways and helps ease any concerns you may have about protein. Enjoy the show. So hello, Leila. Welcome to the Teach Strong podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, I'm really excited to talk to someone with your experience and knowledge around nutrition and, and all these different aspects that we're going to get into. Um, I thought we could start the episode with a, a hypothetical scenario that I've come up with. So this is a scenario that I've come up with. Um, can we imagine that we have a teacher who's female in her early 30s and she's fairly active. She runs a couple of days a week. She goes to the gym a couple of days a week. Um, and she's been hearing more and more about how a plant-based diet could help her improve her health. And she's also heard that a plant-based diet is one of the most impactful things that she can do to help fight climate change and reduce her carbon footprint. However, this young lady is concerned that if she changes her diet to eating more plants and less or even zero animal products, that she'll be missing out on certain nutrients. For example, she's heard that she won't get enough protein. And so if she were to come to you and see you, what would you say to her? I like that. You know, someone who's active, planning to go plant-based and worrying about their protein. Uh, It's actually a very common scenario, you know. I get across that quite a lot. And you know what most people don't realize, uh, and that includes professional athletes, is that even before thinking of, uh, you know, what nutrients are needed, the ratio of micronutrients, or even, you know, essential vitamins and minerals, the first thing is to ensure that you consume enough calories to meet the increased energy needs. You know, when we are physically active, obviously our energy expenditure is increased and, uh, you know, our energy needs are increased. So which means that we need to take in more calories. Now, we know from studies that almost all athletes, and these are studies on, you know, non-vegan athletes, almost all of them are not eating enough calories. Basically, athletes or most of them are underfed. So when a non-vegan active person wants to go plant-based and they replace the calorie-dense animal products with plant foods, which are low in calorie density, you know, then obviously their overall caloric intake is going to be reduced. So as a result, they feel tired. They can't run as fast as, uh, you know, they used to, or they can't, they don't have the energy to complete their workout in the gym. And because, you know, we have been taught I almost want to say we have been brainwashed to believe that protein is the single most important macronutrient for anybody, especially for athletes. We think that, you know, if um, our performance is suffering, it is because of a lack of protein. So what do most people do? They increase their protein in their diet, which also means that they're actually increasing their calorie intake. So you know, as a result, they have more energy and that just confirms their belief that it was the protein that they were lacking. So the mood about protein just continues. Mm. So going back to the scenario you mentioned, you know, I would actually start asking the person, you know, about her calorie intake and her level of physical activity, because I need to get an idea of, um, you know, how many calories she actually requires to maintain her current lifestyle. Then the next thing is we need to focus on where those calories actually come from. Mm. So we need to make sure that, you know, the majority of calories are coming from whole plant foods. 
uh, you know, unprocessed plant products. And of course, we need to pay attention to those nutrients that any plant eater needs to be aware of. Like, you know, I'm talking about B12, omega-3 fatty acids, iodine, vitamin D. Although vitamin D is actually not specific to, you know, people who are eating um, plant-based. This is a nutrient of concern for all people. Now, when it comes with, uh, you know, to athletes, especially female athletes or, you know, women who are, you know, physically active, uh, I would also look at their iron intake because uh, iron deficiency or rather low iron levels is actually very common. So in the UK, we don't have a separate nutrition guideline, you know, for athletes or people who are physically active. But there are sports nutritionists who recommend that athletes consume actually about 10% more iron than the general population. And since iron levels can be low in vegans, I would pay extra attention to that. So I wouldn't say that, you know, anybody who goes uh, vegan needs to take a multinutrient supplement. Uh, I would actually prefer people take individual, you know, individual supplements based on what is needed. Having said that, I understand that is, uh, you know, it is more convenient to take a multinutrient supplement. And in that case, you know, Veg1 covers actually all the necessary nutrients. So I think, you know, anybody who wants to go plant-based and they are physically active, they need to pay attention to their calories, you know, and make sure that those calories come from whole plant foods and take, you know, those, you know, vitamins and minerals that we are not getting on a plant-based diet. Right. Excellent. Thank you so much for answering that scenario. Really interesting. And it kind of made me think of a, a couple of things. Well, for one, that I take that Veg1 supplement mm-hmm. um, because I've heard you mention it in the past and I've heard other kind of doctors and nutritionists who I have a lot of respect for talk about that supplement as being a good one to opt for. I take that. I, th- I think it's really interesting as well what you said about how many athletes are um, not eating enough. And I, I think I've had some experience of that as well where... I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I can really notice the difference when I haven't eaten as much and clearly not as many calories. And sometimes I worry in the day, like, oh, I think I'm eating too much here. Like, am I really going over the board, overboard? But it usually results in the next day me feeling kind of ready to go and and ready for another workout. So perhaps clearly I'm, I'm not eating too much and I'm just eating the right amount as opposed to under eating because there are also days when I can tell I've not eaten enough and then I wake up and I'm like oh I'm not sure I've got the energy for this workout or to or you know getting getting to work is a bit of a struggle as well yes and you're right mentioning that because you know when you're actually eating plant foods you need to actually eat larger volumes mm, and sometimes mm. you feel like oh my god I can't have a second plate you know it's a second <laughs> I mean that's just too much but then you realize you do need that it happens to me all the time as well mm. especially you know if whenever I'm actually training more than usuals you know i need to take more calories in yeah yeah and this is one of the great things about this way of eating isn't it you know shifting to a more plant-based diet it's like there's there's not many diets in 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 speech marks and quote marks that allow you to eat more food you know this is all about eating in abundance isn't it in a colorful variety um like you said as long as you are focusing as much as possible on those whole food plant-based ingredients you can you can get your fill so easily can't you feel full up and satisfied and and then feel great still a couple of hours later not have that horrible feeling after um you you, that you do you get when you eat um certain other foods interesting and so one of the one of the main things i suppose as well that you said is that it's it's about calories eating enough calories and perhaps that a lady like i mentioned in that scenario but of course it could also be a male couldn't it anyone else that's active are you saying that calories should be the focus and protein is not so much of a of a concern as long as we're eating enough calories have i got that right or yes i guess it's more complicated isn't it yes i mean i don't want to underplay the role of protein right right uh, it is important. It is a very important, you know, macronutrients. Yeah. So, you know, macronutrients are those nutrients we need to actually take in larger quantities. So it is, uh, you know, needed. Actually, actually, our body's most important building block. Mm. Every cell contains protein, you know, muscles, bones, uh, ligaments, uh, skin, hair, enzymes, uh, hormones. They all contain protein. So it is essential. But when it comes to, let's say, um, before even thinking uh, about the, your protein intake, are you actually consuming enough calories? 
Because if you are not and you just focus too much on protein, especially in the source of protein is also important. We know that, you know, then, you know, it can get a little bit uh, muddy and confusing. So especially as an athlete, because you are exercising more, you are working out all the time and you do need sometimes, you know, 3000 calories per day. So you need to make sure that you get those calories. If you don't, your performance is going to suffer. Your mm-hmm. concentration level is going to be low. So, you know, it has a lot of consequences. So that's why that should be your first uh, priority. But I'm not saying that protein is not important. No, of course not. Of course, I'm, and perhaps we'll, we'll dig a little deeper into that uh, uh, shortly. So, well, why don't we take a bit of a, a rewind and and. If you could tell us a little bit about your background, Layla, you know, I've invited you onto this podcast to talk a little bit about um, protein is going to be the main focus, but um, also kind of with that, that sports nutrition element, I suppose, as well, thinking about it, uh, thinking about it from the um, perspective of someone who's quite active um, mm-hmm. as well. And so why have I invited you on? You know, what, what is your background and how are you qualified to talk about this? <laughs> sure. Well, uh I have always been a very sporty child. And mm. as a child, I used to do gymnastics, although it was my way of actually getting and staying flexible until I could, uh, you know, go and do martial arts. I'm a passionate martial artist. And I used to practice karate until I discovered kung fu. And actually, my body just fell in love with kung fu. So I have been doing kung fu for a few years now. But at the same time, I was actually suffering from severe migraines. And, you know, I... Um, I'm a qualified doctor. I used to work as a doctor, but because of my migraines, they were really so severe, so debilitating. So I had actually to, you know, give up my medical career. So because of my poor health, uh, my training was always sporadic, you know, and I had kind of accepted that I would never be great. You know, I will always just do a bit of, you know, Kung Fu here and there, and that is it. That is the way it is going to be. But then later, I actually discovered a whole food plant-based diet and I healed my migraines, you know, with a um, whole food plant-based diet. And I felt like I had been given a new lease of life. It was almost, uh, almost like I had been given like a second chance. And I was so fascinated by nutrition, you know, by the way um, the food that we eat every day can actually have a huge impact on our health and how we feel. So I wanted to really understand it. And I went back to university and I got my master's degree in clinical and public health nutrition. And, uh, you know, I had already received some tra- uh, teaching in sports nutrition when I was doing my diploma in personal training, because, you know, after I quit being a doctor, I actually became a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. But that teaching was very basic. And also, I would say it wasn't really up to date. I mean, uh, at the time, they actually taught me about protein complementing. So later when I, you know, went and studied nutrition as an athlete and also as a personal trainer, you know, studying sports nutrition seemed to be kind of the next logical step for me. And since I graduated from UCL, you know, uh, after my master's degree, I have been really focusing on sports nutrition. I have been learning all about sports nutrition, have taken many courses. And it is interesting because the majority of um, resources for sports nutrition are actually from non-vegans. And I had I have taken some courses where I had actually to choose when I'm answering the questions, uh, like the answer with the protein combining, so that mm-hmm. I could actually pass the course. <laughs> I knew uh-huh. that you know, if I tell them that it is not correct, you know, I wouldn't pass the course. So that's why I feel so passionate about sharing what I have learned about uh, about sports nutrition, you know, for those who do follow a hundred percent plant based diet, because I think the information is not out there, and mm. you know, we need to share that with people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, really interesting to have that that background of martial arts, personal training, but also your medical background as well, and then coming around and bringing that all together for with sports nutrition. Fantastic. So. You are absolutely qualified then to to talk to me about protein and the that that, that its role in in health and an, an active lifestyle. So, could we start there? I suppose Could we use that as a bit of a, a springboard. You know, what is protein and what is its role in health and an active lifestyle? Sure. 
Uh, I actually love to talk about protein. I have to <laughs> say that it is actually one of my, it, it may not be my favorite uh, micronutrient, but it is one of my favorite topics because there are so many misconceptions. So I could go on talking about it, you know, it's really interesting. So anyway, proteins are actually made of amino acids. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, uh, it's actually the building block for our, our body. So it is essential for cell growth, for maintenance and repair of tissues. And just as uh, proteins are the building blocks of the body, amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. And we have 20 amino acids and nine of them are essential, meaning that we need to get them actually in our diet. And these amino acids join together to make proteins. And obviously different proteins have different chains of amino acids. And I think that is where the whole controversy about plant proteins come from, because plant proteins actually have a different amino acid pattern compared to animal protein. So if you think about it, humans and animals are closely related. And because of that, we have proteins with similar amino acid patterns. So that's why people you know, refer to animal proteins as like kind of being of high quality protein. And they are often called complete so, and as a result, you know, if animal protein is high quality, then plant protein is going to be low quality, incomplete. But what we need to understand is that plant proteins, they contain all the essential amino acids, but in varying proportions. So let, let me give you an example. For example, rice is low in lysine and thymine, which are two of the amino acids, but it is actually high in methionine. Whereas beans are, for example, high in lysine and thiamine and low in methionine. So if we consume different sources of plant proteins, we get adequate amount of all the you know, essential amino acids. Having said that, and I think that is again uh, where another myth actually starts, people think that they need to have rice with beans at the same time to make sure that they get all the essential amino acids. And that is not necessary. As long as we have rice and beans, you know, throughout the day, Within 24 hours, our body can actually, you know, get all the essential amino acids. So I think that is really important to understand that, you know, as I said, just make sure that you get different sources of plant proteins. Mm -hmm. So so that's this protein combining myth that you mentioned earlier, yeah. that you have to combine these proteins. Otherwise, your plant protein will not be complete. Is that correct? Yes. And unfortunately, we still meet people, you know, sports nutritionists, mm. even vegan sports nutritionists or vegan dietitians who tell people that, you know, if you want to get all your protein on a plant-based diet, you need to make sure that you have rice and beans together. You have bread and peanut butter together. We do that. I mean, you know, most yeah. of us eat that way we do you know we have chili and rice but that it doesn't mean that it is necessary and i think that is the emphasis i want to make here like kind of it is not necessary to combine these uh, sources of plant points in the same meal right just within 24 hours that's fine interesting and that's right interesting ah oh, that's, that's that's good great um and an another thing um is i suppose if we if we're going to zoom in on uh, sports performance as well and training. Um, I remember that I would always hear that you have to eat a certain amount of protein just after you've trained um, within this two-hour window. And very recently, I've listened to a podcast that has kind of has said, well, that might not be the case, actually. Um, so what about that as well? Is that true that once you finish a workout that you have to get your protein in within two hours? Otherwise, the, you know, the workout was just useless and it will have no effect whatsoever. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, the timing of protein is important, but okay. it is not within two hours of, you know, when you did your workout. We have an anabolic window of four to five hours. Right. And most of us eat three meals a day. And maybe we also have a snack. So we actually eat within that anabolic window. So even if you work out now and you eat, you know, three hours later, you are still within that anabolic window. And I think it is really uh, just, uh, you know, as long as you have something after you have worked out. Now, some people, and I think that is it, because when it comes to a sports nutrition, that is one of the fascinating things I like. And, but, <laughs> I, you know, we don't realize it is that. I mean, nutrition research is difficult because, you, you know, there's, there are so many bias and confounding factors. But when it comes to athletes, actually finding high kind of elite athletes who are happy to take part in a study, you know, it is difficult because if an athlete, for example, has built a lot of muscles, a bodybuilder, they're not going to come and enter a study where they may actually lose some muscle mass. 
So most of the studies are actually on people who are maybe average or who have never trained. Now, that's why a lot of elite athletes, especially bodybuilders, they still, although they know that, you know, that anabolic window exists, and even sports nutritionists, you know, when you talk to them, they know about that. They still say it doesn't harm. So you can take it, you know, if you want to. So it doesn't mean that, you know, as soon as you finish your workout, you should have your protein, you know, source. Uh, but, you know, after you had your shower and you're going out, you can have a snack. And I wouldn't even focus just on protein. I would say, you know, you need some carbohydrate with your protein. Now, having said that, if you work out fasted, so you haven't had anything to eat and you do a workout, you go to the gym, you work out, you know, to an hour or whatever, then it is better to have something straight after your workout because, right. you know, it may take, take a bit longer for you to go and have your breakfast. But again, that doesn't mean that, you know, as soon as you finish it, a minute later, you have to have something. But yes, it is better to have it after your workout really interesting already i'm kind of taking away so much and you've put my mind at rest in, in, in various different ways but one is is in that respect in that two-hour window because it, it was very recent that i was still practicing that and still worrying i suppose and getting anxious you know i've i've got back in the gym about six seven months ago now with the goal of kind of lifting weights and seeing you know if I can put on a bit of muscle mass just as just because I enjoy it and one of the things that I was anxious about is right I finished my workout so I've got to get my protein in that's what I've heard so I mean I am fully 100% plant-based and so those those protein sources were from a a plant-based source but but I was still worried about it you know how much am I going to get but like you, you just backed up what I've heard from this from this other podcast as well that I can be a bit more relaxed and I don't have to uh, to rush so much. Having said that, I I do train fasted, and that's kind of almost been just. I think this is the beauty of of nutrition and exercise and talking to experts is that I hear something and I and I just give it a go. I try it, and this is one of the things I've heard that you know training without eating anything before it might not be the end of the world. Whereas before I I, I think I woke up and. And I wanted to wake up in enough time that I could have a banana and maybe some porridge because I thought I have to eat that before I train. Whereas now I've got a bit more relaxed and I thought, oh, well, I'll see how this goes. And, and that's what I'm doing regularly now. Before school, I wake up, I don't eat anything. I, I just drink water, not even any caffeine and just head straight to the gym. And, and I feel absolutely fine. I can still work out just as intensely. Um yeah, so it's really interesting. But then I will always feel really, really hungry afterwards. So within half an hour, I've, I've eaten my overnight oats and a banana and perhaps some nuts as well on my way to school. And, you know, so even though I might not have to eat so, quite so quickly, I, I'm always starving once I finish a workout. You do. I mean, I have uh, actually work out fasted as well. Oh, really? Uh, yes. But then, you know, if you have had a nice uh, meal, you know, the day before, your yeah. glycogen stores actually, you know, not empty, they're not depleted. Mm. So you have enough energy for your workout. And then as soon as you eat, you know, uh, lay after your workout, you eat something, that's fine. You don't need to worry. And But you are hungry. You are actually yeah. usually I'm I'm hungry most of the time to be honest (laughs) Uh, but it's really interesting that that energy aspect of it as well because I do I do think people in general are quite worried about um getting enough kind of sugary carbohydrates as well um you know for example turning up to run maybe a 5k or a 10k or something and and having all you know these energy gels around us and lucasades and, and things like that and I, I don't know what you think of this but I've I've I can run a 5k a 10k even a half marathon I've run with just water um you know a couple of sips of water and I'm not recommending that I'm in no position to do that whatsoever but I don't know what, what do you think about that are, are some people worrying too much about these energy drinks and these you know the getting all that glucose into them is, is, is should that be as much of a concern as it is or, or is that really individualized and perhaps hard to answer I mean <laughs> there is some individual aspect to it because I'm like yourself I have run like for two hours without actually just a bit of water and that is it so I can do that but then I think you know there are people who do need that extra energy now having said that what is your goal are you just running or are you competing? Yeah. I think we, we really need to distinguish. And it's also like whenever you, it comes you know, to how much protein do I need, when should I eat it, what is your goal? Are you actually trying to build lean mass, lose fat mass, and are you competing? Or are you just doing it, as you said, like you're going back to the gym just to build some muscle because you like it? 
Mm. You know, so it is really what is your goal. And depending on that, you plan your, you know, nutrition around it. But yes, there is, I mean, you know, some people are good and some people actually, you know, if they eat, if they have that extra glucose, they actually, they feel sick. So mm. they need actually to avoid it. But, but I think, you know, part of uh, being an athlete is actually knowing your body and what you tolerate. And sometimes you experiment, you know, especially initially when you learn about something, why not? Do a bit of experimentation, see what works for you. But yes, I don't think we need to be as obsessed as what some people are. And especially, you know, all those gels are, they are processed. So you can just have mm. dates, for example. That would be enough. That's yeah. what I do. I want something extra. Yeah, so exactly the same. I'd have some dried fruit or something. I remember when I was living in Barcelona and I was training for a marathon, um, and I would just take a little a little sack of dried fruit, and that that's what I might consume if I was going for one of those longer, you know, two and a half, three hour runs or something like that, eighteen, nineteen miles or something, and it, it, it was enough for me. I I do I do worry that, like you said, that people. Look, that people are worrying too much about that and it detracts from the enjoyment and the pleasure of just getting out there and exercising for the for the the pure joy of exercising and 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 rather than getting so worried about these little the kind of intricacies that actually perhaps it's only professional athletes that have to worry about these these minor details to get the extra one percent to beat their opponent exactly and also i think you know, we forget that it's not the nutrition alone you know having protein doesn't mean that you build muscle you need to do the work you need to do those exercises yes so people sometimes focus too much on like what should i eat instead of actually what exercises do i need to do i think that aspect is often forgotten i know i'm here as a sports nutritionist not as a personal trainer but i can't <laughs> help actually talking about that because this is also important you do need to have the right uh, exercises yeah well, you have to have the stimulus, don't you, in, in, in the muscle. You have to train hard enough. And, yeah, exactly. That's what builds the muscle, isn't yes. it? <laughs> yes, exactly. You need to actually stimulate your muscle protein synthesis so that later when you have the protein, it works. It's Otherwise, doing something. stimulated, so you have protein. It's going to be converted to fat, and you just put on weight. So, yes. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, great. So, sticking with protein then, um, what about how much protein the average person needs if we're sort of thinking about that kind of average person that is a little active but not really really active perhaps that you know three or four times a week how much protein do they need and you know if we're talking as, as practically as possible I suppose what would that look like in a day um how how could I be eating enough protein as a teacher who trains a couple of days a week sure <laughs> well to be honest if you are just um, working out, you know, a couple of times a week, let's say up to six or eight hours, you don't need to worry about your protein intake. You can just have, uh, you know, whatever everybody else is having. Mm. So what I mean is like the average person needs like uh, 0.75 gram of protein per kg body weight per day. So if, uh, you know, an adult weighs like 70 kg, that's about 53 gram. And I should also add, we always say like, you know, you need that much per kg body weight, but it's not really, about, uh, when it comes to protein, it's not about the body weight, the actual body weight you see on a scale. It's about the lean mass, not the fat mass. You don't need extra protein to support that extra fat. Does that make sense? So yeah. you need actually, so actually your protein requirement is going to be less than whatever you calculate. So in general, I would say an average person needs actually anywhere between 45 to 55 gram of protein per day. Mm. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, as I said, if you're just working at like kind of, you know, four or five hours a, a week more, you know, than what you need, obviously you need to increase your um, calorie, calories. Yeah. So if you increase the amount of calories you are consuming, by default you are increasing your protein. So again, I wouldn't worry too much about, you know, um, did I have protein? Having said that, you need to make sure that, you know, you do have protein with every meal. Mm. And I think what I like about a uh, whole food plant-based diet is that a lot of uh, plant foods have, I mean, not a lot of plants, actually every food has a bit of protein. And a lot of plant foods, which are, uh, you know, which we consider carbohydrate, they also have, uh, you know, some protein in them. So you could easily actually ha have a good meal with 15 to 20 grams of protein. For example, in the morning, if you have, you mentioned porridge, porridge with soya milk and maybe a bit of peanut butter or hemp seed, flaxseed, whatever you like, you can have up to 20, 25 grams of protein in that mm -hmm. meal. Mm -hmm. 
And then, you know, lunch, if you have legumes or tofu, whatever you like, again, we forget that like kind of um, just a cup of like lentils, for example, can have up to 10 grams of protein. So it is easy to get it. And uh, as long as you just stick to whole plant foods, I think it is, we don't need to complicate it. The problem starts, as I said, and I have seen that a lot with people, that they are actually not consuming enough calories. They have a salad, for example. And even if they add a bit of, uh, you know, uh, beans or whatever over their salad, it is still not enough calories for Mm. what they need. And I would really focus on, are you getting enough calories first before thinking of protein? If you are, as I said, um, really working out a few hours a day, that is a different ballgame, you know, then yes, you need to actually kind of watch how, how many proteins you are getting, but you would also watch, you know, how many carbohydrates you're actually consuming in a day. So it, it requires a little bit uh, more planning, let's put it that way. Yeah, but like you said, that's that's in a more extreme case, I suppose, isn't it? You know, if we're lots of teachers will be tuning into this episode, and it's unlikely there might be some, but it's unlikely that they're training one, two, three hours a day. It's more likely that a couple of days a week they're trying to fit in a half an hour, forty-five minute workout. And I think what you're saying is just so reassuring that it's this we don't have to concern ourselves as much with, with the protein, protein, protein. What am I eating? Am I eating these high protein yogurts and bars and all these things? If, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's likely that you will be getting enough protein just from the normal food, the regular food that you're, you are eating. Is that, is that right? Yes. And you know, all these products, which they call themselves high protein, Yeah, you know, uh, it is just a normal yogurt. It doesn't have extra <laughs> protein. You know, it's not like, but it sells. So a lot of these products actually sell just because, you know, people are obsessed with protein. So I think, you know, that's a different issue. My issue is usually more with protein shake because a lot of people, they add, especially when it comes to porridge, for example, I see all those people, you know, actually uh, writing what they have added into their porridge and there's like kind of, you know, vanilla protein powder. And I'm just thinking, why? Why would you do that? You don't need it. Because um, at the end of the day, protein powders are processed. And they can have some heavy, I mean, you know, they have to some degree, some heavy metals, additives, and it is not healthy. And what people don't realize is, again, going back to, you know, the importance of getting enough calories. If you're not getting enough calories, that extra protein you're having is going to be utilized as fuel, as energy. And it is not an efficient way of actually getting your energy. Carbohydrates are more efficient. So I think we really need to get back to the idea that actually eating foods, Ideally, you know, unprocessed foods, whole plant foods, and not worrying too much about, you know, the macronutrient ratio. I would actually worry about more like kind of, are you getting enough the, of the essential, you know, kind of vitamins, minerals, and uh, antioxidants? That, that would be more my focus. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're thinking about, you know, good health and longevity. Exactly, exactly. It's interesting, isn't it? The, the kind of the, the marketing that has been so successful around protein. It, it, it just you like you say you just have to put high protein on any product and it's like oh okay i'll opt for that one and i find myself doing it as well i look at the the boxes of cereal in the supermarket oh that one says high protein i'm going to get that one and it's like why it might be kind of marginally more high actually in protein and this is not making a difference to me my training my health my longevity in the in the, in the, you know at, at all compared to with with what i eat across the the whole day but for some reason it just it works, isn't it? And like you said, around around protein shakes as well, there's something more kind of cool and appealing about coming out of the gym and you're shaking your protein shake uh, container and, and sipping on that. Whereas I just walk out of the gym and I have a banana and an apple or something and it maybe doesn't look as, you know, I don't, I don't look like a professional athlete, I suppose, when I do that. But I kind of... I've listened to people like you and, and heard you talk before and I've, I've read other things and listened to other experts and, I, and I'm kind of safe in the knowledge that actually, you know, a protein shake is probably, yeah, give me, it's probably an excess. It's probably not needed in my case. And it sounds Definitely like for most people. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And I think I want to say something about, you know, lifting weight. There's so much about lifting weights, you know, what you should be doing, you know, the pump, how you do it, and mm. are you 
sore after your ex uh, workout. If you're not sore, it means that you haven't actually done proper workout. And I think the research is so interesting when you read that, because as I said, I have an interest in that as a personal trainer, maybe. So I keep reading all that research that, you know, it doesn't really matter how many sets you do, how many repetitions you do. It's about if you're actually training to failure. And it's uh, and also those, you know, bodybuilders who do, do like, you, you know, the pump I'm talking about, but that is, but their form is not good. Yes. So yeah. There's so much more to actually worry about, not the protein. <laughs> yeah. There's so much more, you know, when it comes to building muscle. But people are just focusing too much on protein and forget about the rest. And I think also, again, I, what I like about you when you're, you know, talking about, you know, protein, what about health? Because yes. you want to be able to actually train, especially if you are, even if you are a professional athlete, you want to train as long as you can, you know, even if you're older. Mm -hmm. And we want to be healthy when we are older. We don't want to have back pain, shoulder pain, all these unnecessary joint pains, which a lot of people have when they are not doing the right exercises and just focus too much on, you know, some other shakes. Because, you know, buying a shake is much easier. You just yeah. buy it makes you feel good but actually doing the work putting the effort that's the hard part so we always go for the easy part exactly and, and that is almost what we've been sold isn't it you know don't don't worry we'll take care of this for you you know this energy drink and this protein product will take care of the training for you and you, you don't have to worry as much anymore but like you say you, you just if you're looking for performance and results you have to put the work in don't you yeah, um, exactly. So as you, you mentioned about health, so perhaps we could take it in that direction now and and the role that protein has perhaps in, in, in long-term health. And, you know, one example, I suppose, is the, the low-carb, high-protein diet that I see a lot of um, advocacy for on social media and in education as well. It's It's talked about as a, you know, a good, effective way to, well, as for the main reason, I suppose, is to help people lose weight and feel better. And I suppose that can happen, can't it? You, you know, changing up a diet in, in lots of different ways. And, and in this way, going to a lower carb and a higher protein diet might help people shed a few extra pounds. But what, what, are the, what can be the implications there on, on long-term health? And is there anything else that you'd like to add about low-carb, high-protein diets in terms of long-term health? Sure. You know, if you want to lose weight, any diet that helps you to reduce your caloric intake will actually make you lose weight. And short term, yes, we have studies which show that, you know, low carb diets actually help you lose more weight because what you're doing is you're cutting out carbohydrates. And when you remove carbohydrates or reduce your carbohydrate intake, you're also reducing your glycogen stores. And each gram of glycogen actually stores about three to four grams of water in your body. So you will lose weight, you know, when that is low. And also, most people don't distinguish between complex carbs and refined carbs. So when they remove carbs from their diet, what they are doing is removing processed foods like, you know, white bread, pizza, refined sugar in donuts and cakes. So they are reducing the calorie intake. So short term, they are going to lose weight. But you asked about, you know, weight loss for long-term health. And in that case, I think actually weight is not really a good metric anyway, because we want to lose fat, not mus muscle mass. Mm. And uh, I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it is a lot easier for our bodies actually to utilize carbohydrates for energy. Now, the problem with um, high-protein diets is that usually they come from animal products. So what you are doing is uh, animal products, you know, as you know, they are high in saturated fats, heme iron. They don't ha have any fiber. They have less uh, or no phytonutrients. So you're actually increasing your risk of heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and even some cancer. cancer. So the list is long of the health implications, negative health effects of, you know, a diet which is high in animal products. Obviously, if um, the high-protein diet comes from plant foods, that is different, but that is not what most people follow. And when we look at, the, you know, the Blue Zones populations, you know, people who live uh, long lives and uh, they are healthy, then you see that their diet is actually high in carbohydrates. And if we talk about people who are physically active, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're a runner or if you're lifting weight, then you, the majority of ca calories should actually come from carbohydrates. And I think, you know, again, when you are increasing the um, kind of um, the amount of one nutrient in your diet, and in this case, protein, then by default, you are reducing 
another, you know, the intake of another nutrient, and that would be carbohydrate. And again, when we look at all the nutritional guidelines, they all agree that carbohydrates, that is fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, they should make up the majority of our foods. And, you know, legumes, grains are a good source of protein too. So that's what, that's what I like actually about the whole plant uh, food, you know, kind of uh, whole plant foods, because they are actually, they offer the same foods, offer, you know, carbohydrate and uh, protein. So, and they are, we know from the studies that they are actually much better for weight loss anyway. As we mentioned earlier, because of the calorie density, you can eat larger mm -hmm. volumes, yeah. which again, for people who are, physically active, they need to put a bit of thought into it, what they are eating, make sure that they are having foods which are higher in calorie density. But for people who want to lose weight, very easy. They still eat the same amount of, uh, you know, volume. And they like actually to eat the same amount of volume every day. And But they are taking less calories in. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. You, you explained so much there. Um, that's, that's brilliant. And so... It's kind of like these these low carb, high protein diets. Yes, you might lose weight, but I suppose it's at what cost, and the cost could well be your long term health. Because, like you said, high protein usually means high animal product, which comes with all these other things, doesn't it? It doesn't just come with the protein; it comes with all these other things that have been associated with 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 various chronic diseases and you know not favorable long-term health outcomes so that, that that's why i invited you on the show to be honest layla to, to talk about things like this and get this message out to educators that let's keep look through everything through the lens of your long-term health when you approach exercise look at it through your long-term health when you approach eating long-term health when you approach sleep all these things thinking about what are the simple ways that you can address this what will lead to long-term health and so many of these things i suppose aren't the the coolest sexiest options are they but they are the ones that that 10 20 30 40 years down the line you will be feeling the benefits from just from keeping it simple and focusing on these things and like you said those all of those recent dietary guidelines the ones that are talking about not just improving our health but improving the health of the planet as well that all of them they all match up the one from the nhs from canada from denmark all these recent guidelines the majority of the plate is made up of fruits vegetables whole grains and legumes isn't it we're being told eat more of those alternative plant um, sources of protein like legumes like you know your chickpeas and lentils and kidney beans all these things tofu that's what we should be focusing on isn't it yes and you know when it comes to actually health a lot of people assume just because they are getting older, you know, they are expecting a bit of pain here and there. And, you know, it is interesting because sometimes I get people who are in their 20s and they say, oh, yes, it is my age. I'm saying, you're just you know, in your 20s. How can you say it's your age? And then I get people who are in their 50s, 60s and say, oh, yes, it is just old age. I say, no, it has nothing to do with age. It is all those habits, you know, over the year, all those things that you didn't pay attention to. You know, it builds up. So that's why we always need to make sure that, you know, think, as you say, thinking of the long-term health, is it going to help me? Do it correctly now? Do it the right way now? And you will see the benefits in 10, 20 years. And as you say, it's good for the planet. And right now, that is actually a huge problem we are facing. So what is good for me is good for the uh, planet. So, you know, it's a win-win. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's the biggest question, isn't it? Like every Everything we talk about should be also through that lens of what's good for the planet, um, how we're we looking after. And so, yes, those protein shakes and that steak might be great for helping you build muscle, apparently, but is it the best thing for the planet? And I'd much rather live on a, on a planet in 10, 20 years' time. I'd much rather be here than get some massive muscles and then go through climate disasters, to be honest. <laughs> Right. Well, thank you so much, Leila. We, we've we've looked into to, to so much, and you've answered so many of my questions. And hopefully, the audience have have taken a, a lot away from this and, and had some um, of their uh, questions answered around protein. But I think it was really empowering the, the message that you sent around um, that you offered around this. So, thank you very much. You. <laughs> we always like to. I always like to finish off the the episodes with a with a couple of questions, and and one of them is. What's that one lesson that you wish you had been taught as a child? You know, uh, I have listened to your podcast before, so I knew that question was good. Uh, okay. <laughs> and when I actually think about my childhood, and one thing I wish I had been taught was, you know, 
to love and accept my body the way it is. And I wish somebody would have actually explained to me that a healthy, sporty body, especially as I said, as I was always into sports, that, you know, a healthy body or healthy bodies in general, they come in all shapes and sizes. You know, before actually turning a into a teenager, you know, I always thought of my body in terms of what it could achieve. You know, how fast could I run? How flexible was my body? Could I do the split? And, you know, all of that. But uh, when you become a teenager and you see all those people, you know, all the, the other children around you dieting, and the media shows us, you know, just one perfect body. And... Uh, in my case, what happens is that, you know, a neighbor actually saw me running and he asked me whether I'm trying to lose weight. And that was the beginning of me feeling that, you know, my body should look a certain way. And I was trying to kind of change my body all the time. And, uh, you know, knowing that actually we have different genetics. For example, my sister has a completely different body shape. She takes after my dad. I'm more like my mom. So there are, you know, certain aspects about my body that I cannot change. It's never going to change. And a healthy body image is so important, especially if we consider that, you know, eating disorders are on the rise, depression, anxieties, are, you know, they are on the rise. And they are actually on the rise, you know, in teenagers, you know, in children, in young children. So I think knowing, accepting your body the way it is and loving it and being okay with it. Mm -hmm. I wish I had known that because I had actually an eating disorder. So I wish, you know, I had known that I, mm -hmm. I would have enjoyed probably, uh, yeah, my life more. And even, you know, when I was working out, I would have just done it, as you were saying, just for the enjoyment of it rather than trying to change my body. Yeah, oh, a really important me message to share. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Leila. Absolutely. And I think I've got my order mixed up here, but it doesn't matter um, because I think pre previous to that question, I would normally answer, uh, uh, sorry, I'd normally ask, what are your three tips to thrive? You know, we've, we've dived into protein. We've talked a little bit about, um, yeah, uh, more widely around nutrition and, and, and long-term health as well. But if you were to kind of condense that down um, to offer just three tips to the audience that they could go away and start applying straight away, what would you say? Well, the first one is eat legumes every day. And I will share actually two easy ways of having more legumes uh, in our diet. You know, one way is just choose your favorite lentil. Mine is green lentil. So cook a pot of, uh, you know, lentils. You can add spices. I always add turmeric and black pepper and a bit of fresh lemon juice. And, mm. um, you know, but people can use any recipe they like. And then just have a small bowl, you know, of lentils with your meal. Or another one uh, of uh, one of my favorites is roasted chickpeas. It's very easy to make and they are great over salads, but also as a snack, especially, you know, yeah. we were talking about, you know, working out post-workout, you know, having ro uh, roasted chickpeas. It's really nice snack. And one cup of chickpeas offers like about 10 grams of protein and 25 grams of carbs. And as I mentioned earlier, post-workout, you also need carbohydrates, not just protein. And the ratio of 10 grams to 25 grams is really nice. So, make sure to eat legumes every day. So that would be my number one. And then uh, the second one, I would say, you know, we should all try to incorporate at least a two five-minute stretching sessions into, you know, our day. Our lives are sedentary. You know, they're always sitting on a chair in front of a computer, TV, and, you know, you see all these people, including myself, you know, we are bending over our mobile devices. So our muscles are on, you know, neck, shoulders, and hips. They get tightened and shortened. So by doing simple stretches, we can actually relieve the tightness um, and we can improve our posture and, you know, avoid neck tension, headaches, back pain. So I think, you know, just uh, finding simple stretches and keeping it simple so that we can actually do it. And just, you know, five minutes and doing it twice a day. And that will actually uh, go a long way. And we were talking about, you know, feeling better as you uh, get older. And I think that can actually go a long way. And lastly, I would say, List three things that are in your life that you are grateful for. Uh, you know, gratitude is so powerful and uh, we don't actually uh, focus too much on, you know, just being um, grateful for something. And I think this is also a good exercise when we are facing a difficult situation. And at the moment, I think life has been quite challenging for a lot of people. You know, whenever I face a difficult situation, I look for and find three things 
that I'm actually grateful for in whatever is causing my challenge and struggle. And that really shifts my focus and helps mm-hmm. me deal actually with the challenge better. So I think we, um, you know, we don't appreciate gratitude enough. Yeah, it's a, it's a powerful one, isn't it? Like you said, for shifting your mindset and, and and so simple to do. Three three good things in the morning that you're grateful for and it can really, I think, change your day. And that doesn't necessarily mean writing it down, does it? Um, no. I have more of a habit of, of trying to, to think of those things in the morning. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really positive uh, change to make. And I, of course, I love your first two as well. I just think if more educators out there, whatever position they are working in the school, they're thinking of, adding more legumes to their to their lunch boxes that would just be great i would just it would make me so uh, happy if anyone you know was tagging us in some photos of their lunch box at school with some a salad and roasted chickpeas on top that would be awesome and yeah, then I, also I oh sorry go when they are having roasted chickpeas they should try having cumin on it ah, i okay. really taste very good i mean it's just one of my <laughs> favorite snacks actually it's really nice Nice, nice, nice. You're making me hungry. <laughs> and then the other one about stretching as well, like, like you said, and, and teaching, although we are up and down from, you know, walking to the photocopier out in the playground and that, and that kind of thing, we can still spend spend good, a good amount of time sat in our chair in, in the classroom. And so I think these um, short little stretches can really make a difference to our day. And I love doing them in the morning as well. And like you said, just a couple of minutes can really make a difference. Sometimes, not every day, but quite often I'll get up and I'll do just a few, you know, yoga style sun salutations or some other stretches. And it, it doesn't just make you feel loose in the body, but I think it makes you feel more, um, you know, loose in the mind as well. It makes you feel a bit lighter and a bit more ready to go. So I think, yeah, uh, a few quick exactly, exactly. And ready for the day. Yeah, sure. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for sharing those tips. Um, anyone that is listening and wants to get in touch with you, find out more about what you do and you have a fantastic social media pages as well. Like where can they find you? Uh, well, as you mentioned, I'm on social media. I'm both on Facebook and uh, Instagram. And I also have my website. So, you know, yeah. do you want me to give you the links? Or, I mean, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. So anyone listening, it will be in the show notes and they can just click and give you a follow straight away. <laughs> That's brilliant fabulous. thank you thank you so much for your for your time this evening it's it's been uh, a real pleasure um and i'm looking forward to staying connected with you and yeah i'm sure we'll, we'll speak and hopefully meet maybe one day soon as well in london <laughs> that's lovely thank you for having me i really enjoyed it well big thank you again to Layla. i hope you enjoyed that conversation and i do hope it went some way to helping alleviate any concerns you have about protein Do connect with her on social media to find out more about the work that she does and the tips, recipes and inspiration she offers. And of course, we'd both welcome any comments or questions about the episode. Just tag us on Instagram and let's keep the conversation going. If you are a regular listener to the show, then I'd really appreciate it if you took just a few seconds to like the episode and share it with any friends, family or colleagues who you think might be interested. And if you haven't already, then do go ahead and click the follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to bringing you another episode soon. Mm -hmm.